I went from wine and tequila to mocktails and espresso. My name is Mari Demers, and each week I'll be talking about what it's like to live alcohol-free. You are listening to Sober Like a Boss, where I'll be having authentic conversations about living substance-free in a culture obsessed with alcohol. As a young woman in my early 20s, making the choice to cut alcohol out of my life completely has been a challenging, yet rewarding experience. On Sober Like a Boss, I will share what living alcohol-free has done for me by having honest conversations about substance abuse, addiction, and the trials and tribulations of living a sober life. So today I have a special guest. It's my best friend, Emily, who I actually met in recovery. Hi, Emily. Hi. We are going to be talking about a few things. Um, How you know you have a drinking problem. Labels and labeling and dealing with FOMO. FOMO. FOMO, the worst. So, Emily, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, I'm Emily. Um, I actually know Mari because we have the same therapist. <laughs> Our therapist actually set us up together. Uh-huh. And that's how we met. We have the same sponsor. We also got the same sponsor. Yeah. You we have the same therapist and the same sponsor. We're both <laughs> mentally ill and have <laughs> We're crazy. I've known Emily for how long have we... I've known you. I think it's been since like May. Yeah, it has. Because didn't I meet you before I moved here? Or like, didn't I text you before I moved here? Yeah, yeah. And then we got like acai bowls and like. (laughs) You were like hungover. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know what you were on, but we were on some shit. Yeah. (laughs) Not like actually, but I just remember I was like, oh God, we're both like two big messes. Yeah, we were not doing so hot. So we're sober. Seven months sober, and Mari has, what, eight now? Almost eight on the third, maybe. If I didn't know Emily, (sighs) I don't think I would, like, I don't know. I might still be sober, but honestly, like, it makes a really big difference to have somebody like you because we're the same age almost. Well, you're older than me. I feel like I wouldn't have really gotten into AA if you weren't doing it too yeah because it's just like you meet these people in AA and they're all great and stuff but it helps having someone like your age like that goes to the same college as you like have similar interests and experiences oh yeah I definitely wouldn't have gotten into AA as much if you weren't doing it with me maybe that's just me being like anxious and like nervous but it definitely helps no it does help because doing AA with somebody your age I definitely think is helpful because it's less scary like doing meetings like doing the first meeting I remember I was like oh my god I hate this because you're just like vulnerable but like when you're on it with me I feel less afraid and also you just get used to it and you we can like talk about like what the topic is or honestly yeah whatever that's how we know each other (laughs) Emily is my best friend I know her every day I'm like tell her the most irrelevant shit she listens (laughs) to me I appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so the first question I have for you is how did you know you had a problem? It's a loaded question. Yeah. (laughs) So I think like when I first realized I had a problem, I was in college. I was probably like a sophomore and I was like, 
You know, I drink a lot more than most people, like, especially yeah. during the weeknights, like other people just did it during the weekends. And like, my friends and I would be like blasted every, <laughs> every night, just like, even if we had stuff to do, like homework, we're just like, nah, we can drink first. And like, I don't yeah. think I really cared then because I was so young. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just having fun. I'm 18. Like, this is fun. But eventually it got to not be so fun. <laughs> Especially like as I got older. I mean, I'm only 23 now. But just as I got, you know, like 20, 21, 22, it was just like, this isn't fun anymore. I was feeling like hopeless and honestly I hated where I was in life I was just an anxious mess all the time yeah my physical health was awful like I was so out of shape and like weak and just gross like I didn't feel good about myself at all and that just affected my mental health as a result I was just losing control of my life and it just wasn't fun anymore. I was waking up anxious and just afraid and embarrassed of what I did the night before. Like, I never wanted to know. It got to a point where I would, like, do stuff, like, get wasted the night before and then automatically go through my phone and delete it, like, while I was still blacked out because I didn't yeah. want to know. Like, I already knew. I didn't want to know the next day. And I just didn't want to live like that anymore, like, feeling like a piece of shit. I know what you mean, like, especially when you say, like, it just wasn't fun anymore. That's when you know, like, if it's just controlling you. I feel like me and you have kind of similar, like, we partied in college and using the whole, like, oh, well, like, we're young, so, like, this is okay. But, like, as you get older, you're like, it's not okay. Like, everyone else is doing stuff and, like, (laughs) having fun wine nights, watching, like, you know, The Bachelor or something. And, like, my fun wine nights are never just that. (laughs) It's just absolute blackout every time. It was always, like, I could never just have, like, one. No. It was all or nothing. Yeah, it was, like, all in or nothing. If I couldn't drink, I didn't want to. Exactly. Oh, man. What helped you take recovery seriously and commit to sobriety? Well, I'd say my addiction was definitely affecting my family and my relationships with just, like, my friends um eventually when I had a boyfriend it was affecting that as well was it Brian it was Brian yeah obviously like I've had some time experimenting with this and I've relapsed a lot over Mm -hmm. the years and then when I got my boyfriend Brian he saw me relapse a lot and it was just awful for him as well and my family like everyone was just suffering because of me and that's obviously not a good feeling to have like It just makes you feel like you are the worst person in the world and, like, there's nothing to, like, work for. You're hurting everyone around you. Like, you're not going anywhere. You're not doing well at anything. And eventually, you just kind of realize you want to make a change and live an actual life instead of just drinking and doing drugs all the time and being anxious and just kind of a piece of shit human being. Like... (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't productive at all. Like, I wasn't helpful. I was selfish. It's just not a good feeling ever. It, like, really does affect everybody in your life. I totally know what you mean. Like, thankfully, my mom's in recovery. So, like, she was really understanding. But, like, I know for you, your family didn't really get it in that way. definitely not. (laughs) 
so like I cannot imagine how much harder that would make it they tried but like there was a point where like I was sober and they like bought me a bottle of wine and I'm like this doesn't work like that (laughs) wait really? yeah like did they know you were trying to like maintain sobriety yeah yeah that's another thing there's like a huge misunderstanding about sobriety but it's just like yeah they thought you got sober once and kind of like get your head on straight and then you can go back and just like moderate your drinking when really that Mm -hmm. that's not how that works for pretty much everybody that has a problem I'm so happy you said that because that's a huge misconception I think like a lot of people are like oh well why don't you cut back or oh why don't you have a drink like every now and then it's like well I if I could I would but I can't because I have an addiction and it's a fucking disease right and like I've had like a year and two sober and it would start out like me going back to drinking and I was like it would start out as just like having a drink on the weekend and then before you know it it's back to like full on all the time yeah it's even worse than where it was oh god every single time it just like catches back up to you and I think it's really normal for people who are like curious about sobriety or who are thinking like do I want to try this it's normal to be like, oh, well, maybe I can cut back. And, like, that does work for some people, but those people it works for don't usually have right. a problem, you know? Right. And it's, like, a scary yeah, thought really to that. be like, I could never drink again, you know? Oh, yeah. Terrifying. It is really scary. So what is your life like now? And how has it changed for <laughs> I mean, it's definitely gotten <laughs> better from being a piece of shit human being. <laughs> I'm in a great relationship. I have such a supportive boyfriend. He goes to AA meetings with me. <laughs> we love Brian. <laughs> Mark, he's Brian, the best. therapist loves Brian. <laughs> Hi, Brian. So <laughs> you know he's going to listen to this. Um, he always celebrates, like, my sober birthdays. And he helped me when I was relapsing. Like, he didn't give up on me. He would, like, try to understand. He's just honestly so great. Like, and I think when I was drinking, I don't... Before I met him, I don't think I deserved anyone good. The guys I would meet were just disgusting and, like, awful. (laughs) Yeah. I had no self-esteem. And now I can say, like, I'm working on getting my self-esteem back. But I'm just happy where I'm ending up. We just bought a house. I graduated college. I don't have nearly as much anxiety as I did before. I can wake up every day and not have, like, a nervous breakdown. It's just a breath of fresh air, honestly. And it doesn't seem like that when you first get sober, especially for, like, the first month. It's just, like, there's a lot of anxiety about, like, what do I do now? You have, like, all this time to fill. But you find out, like, what you want to do and, like, what hobbies you can do. Because you honestly have so much more time for fun stuff. Like, it's scary at first, but now you can, like, sit down and watch Netflix without being, like, I need wine. Like, just racing thoughts of anxiety. Definitely. It's, like, you just appreciate, like, the little things so right. much more and I just want to say like I'm so proud oh my God, of you I'm so proud of you girl we did it together did. just so many really good things have like come your way and it's because like you made the decision to get sober and like it's not easy so props to you because I'm so proud of I you I met you as I started and... relapsing so we've honestly like done this whole time together like the start over <laughs> like oops I got a beer oops but now it's like we're hardcore no alcohol <laughs> we're cool girls now. and also like it's just so funny you say like about the whole anxiety thing because I think we both struggle with anxiety and like I can just tell with you like yours have got has gotten yeah. so much better 
when we first got those bowls <laughs> both of us were like hey like it was just oh it was and it's like I complain about my anxiety a lot but it's really like nothing compared to what it was when I was drinking like I'll still be like I'm such an anxious person but honestly it's so much better and it's kind of like good anxiety post hangover anxiety was terrible what did I do last night and like when I was drunk would go through and like delete texts <laughs> and just like this is fucking like no. not the way to live like I it's fall it's all fun and games until it's like not fun anymore and when you get to that point it's just like fuck this like I do not want exactly. to live this way do you miss anything about drinking hmm. not really I mean there's not really anything to miss about like embarrassing yourself and being miserable when you're sober for like the couple hours before you go out and like have fun again quote-unquote but when I got sober the negative definitely outweighed the fun for me like drinking the consequences are too much like and I had like fun when I was drunk but like it was nothing compared to the bad stuff that was happening the downward spiral that my life was and I was just so ready for it to be over and to stop living like that and to just like take the next step in my life the the cons outweighed the pros. First, I want to talk about how you know you have a problem because I've gotten a lot of feedback. People thinking you have to fit a certain criteria or like this idea that you have to fit this cookie cutter version of an alcoholic to have a drinking problem. So um, the term alcoholic, just to get all technical, I kind of wanted to give like more of a medical standpoint. So whoever is listening doesn't think like, oh, this girl's like pulling <laughs> shit out of her ass and like making it's stuff up. It's, so alcoholic means or identifies people who experience alcohol use disorder and alcohol use disorder is a pattern of problematic drinking and can be categorized as mild, moderate, or severe levels of alcohol dependence. Um and something really funny that my friend said was, like, I thought you had to be Frank from Shameless <laughs> to be an alcoholic. And, like, if you've seen that show, like, he was literally a crackhead. So, and, like, yes, I am a crackhead, but not to that extent. And I struggled with that because I wasn't waking up every day craving a drink. I wasn't, like, fitting what I thought an alcoholic was in my head, you know? Like, I thought I had to meet this certain, like, list of things. So, really quick, I just wanted to go over the DSM-5, which is the alcoholic diagnostic criteria. So, they have, like, an exact criteria, like, medically that you have to meet to experience alcohol use disorder. A problematic pattern of alcohol use leading to clinically significant impairment or distress as manifested by at least two of the following within a 12-month period. So you have to identify with at least two of these symptoms, possibly, probably have an alcohol issue, problematic drinking, alcoholic, whatever you want to call it. So the first one, alcohol is often taken in larger amounts or over a longer period than was intended. Um, There is a persistent desire or unsuccessful efforts to cut down or control alcohol use. (laughs) Um, A great deal of time is spent in activities necessary to obtain alcohol, use, or recover from its effects. Yep. 
craving or a strong desire or urge to use alcohol, recurrent alcohol use resulting in a failure to fulfill major role obligations at work, school, or home, continued alcohol use despite having persistent or recurrent social or interpersonal problems caused or exacerbated by the effects of alcohol, important social, occupational, or recreational activities are given up or reduced because of alcohol use, recurrent alcohol use in situations in which it's physically hazardous, alcohol use is continued despite knowledge of having persistent or recurrent physical or psychological problem that is likely to have been caused or exacerbated by alcohol, tolerance increasing, which means a need for increased amounts of alcohol to achieve intoxication or desired effect, or a markedly diminished effect with continued use of the same amount of alcohol, and lastly, withdrawal. So, um, it's taken to relieve or avoid withdrawal symptoms. So if you identify with two or more of these, you might want to think a little bit more about that and have a conversation about it with somebody you trust, because that is like medically what the criteria states. But anyways, so I wasn't waking up every day craving a drink, but were you like, how did it look like I mean, for you? I think I definitely knew I wanted to drink that day, but I usually manage to get some stuff done first. It was kind of like, if I get this done, I can drink later. My priorities, like, eventually started slipping, and I lost control of, like, kind of, like, everything. Like, the time I would drink would just move up and up and up. Even if I didn't get it done, I would do it as I was drinking. So I wouldn't say it was, like, waking up and immediately reaching for a shot glass, but I would say it was, like, pretty close to, like, getting well on its way there (laughs) definitely like I think I similarly experienced the same thing where it was like I wasn't waking up craving a drink and I wasn't like really drinking 24 hours a day but it was like affecting my life and I was failing to cut back and I was experienced like and like for a while, I kind of denied the whole, like, tolerance and withdrawal thing. And I was like, oh, well, no, you know, I wasn't really experiencing those, like, physical effects. But, like, looking right. back, I 100% Apes. was. Like, even <laughs> waking up. Yeah, like, waking up the next day and you're like, oh, I need a drink because I feel like shit. Like, that is like, literally, literally what I remember. <laughs> also, if you need a good book recommendation, um... I really recommend Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker. She is awesome. And I actually read this book. Actually, I haven't finished it because <laughs> I'm awful. But I started reading it before I got sober. And if you're, like, curious just to uh, kind of see a glimpse of what sobriety would be like, I definitely recommend this book. She's, like, real. She's not, like, bullshitting. But this is something when I read this book that I had absolutely no idea that alcohol is literally ethanol and I'm gonna read like a quick little thing that I came across in her book you should know that ethanol is a volatile flammable colorless liquid with a chemical odor I can't speak so yeah it's literally in alcohol it's what we're drinking and it's also used as an (laughs) antiseptic a solvent and it's in medical wipes and antibacterial formulas because it kills organisms um yeah so we're drinking that (laughs) or well we were but people are still drinking that and this is something she said that is just like hit different okay so she says 
In other words, we drink for fun. The same thing we use to make rocket fuel, house paint, antiseptics, solvents, perfumes, deodorants, and to denature living organisms. Which might make sense on some level if we weren't a generation of green-minded, organic, health-conscious, truth-seeking individuals, but we are. We read labels, (laughs) we shun gluten, dairy, processed foods, and refined sugars, we buy organic, use natural sunscreens and beauty products. We replace toxic cleaning products with Miss Myers and homemade <laughs> vinegar. We do yoga. We run. We so cycle, soul cycle, Fitbit, do coffee enemas in, in steam rooms and drink clay and charcoal and shoot up vitamins. But we still drink <laughs> fucking rocket fuel. Dude, like, I would dude, buy like bottom shelf burnets, like, well. like 100 proof vodka and then like go out and order oat milk in my coffee. Yeah. I would be better than everyone. <laughs> Like who? Who am I? Disgusting. Like, who am I to eat? It's so. It's so. It's true though. It, like really. Like even if you don't have a problem and like you're just like somebody who's health conscious and like I totally get that. Like alcohol is a hundred percent normalized and like the alcohol industries like Budweiser and like all the big big companies like they don't tell you this shit because they want you to buy their products. But like truly, you're drinking fucking rocket fuel and. It's bad. And I mean, it's it, like, hurts it's your flammable. liver so much. Like, it's just oh, so God. bad. Health-wise, oh. my skin. I was like was sickly, so bad. and like I broke out all the time from like the sugar and the alcohol. It was just ugh. maybe you haven't hit rock bottom, and you don't feel like you're that bad, or you don't want to be labeled something that sounds degrading. And I totally get that. Um, because for a while I was like, well, I haven't hit rock bottom. Like, but now I look back, I'm like, well, I've been in the hospital a few times. Wasn't very, that wasn't a very high moment in my life. Um, but yeah, so maybe that's a reason why you could be avoiding like getting help or even being honest with yourself about your relationship with alcohol, because like, it's just, it's a touchy subject and like people don't talk about it. So I came up with kind of a list of other questions to ask yourself. If you don't want to ask yourself, like, am I an alcoholic? So, is alcohol interfering with the way I want to live? If it is, how much longer are you willing to settle for that? Is my drinking limiting my potential as a person? And does the rate I drink at allow me to accomplish my goals? Yeah, so these are just some other ways to look at your relationship with alcohol because... I don't know. I used to Google all the time. Like, am I an alcoholic? And like, some people don't want to ask themselves that question, but they are like questioning their relationship with alcohol. So, yes. One last thing about kind of the medical side of it. Um, this really just put in perspective for me what an alcoholic was. Just like that, alcoholism is literally a disease. And I like this approach because it reminds me that it's something just out of control, out of my own control. So basically, the disease model of addiction classifies addiction and alcoholism as a disease because it is a chemical and biological issue. And it's progressive and it's chronic if you don't treat it. And like any other disease, if it's left untreated, it can be fatal. The disease model says it's characterized by an obsession to use drugs or alcohol and has biological, environmental, and genetic and neurological factors that contribute to its progression. It's also classified as a disease because it causes discomfort, dysfunction, or distress to the person who's affected. 
basically if you're an alcoholic or in other words a problem drinker you already have this like genetic predisposition for it so like you are wired to develop this problem and the environment you're in can progress the disease there's actually been like a lot of studies on that recently which i think is like really cool to see how it can come down like your family line like i know personally like alcoholics in my family so it was like Mm -hmm. kind of not cool i would say but kind of like (laughs) yeah like yeah like oh my god like eye-opening maybe that's like partially where i got it from you know yeah it like makes a lot of sense like same with my family like it definitely i think runs i mean my mom is an alcoholic and you just see like i don't right. know it makes me fucking nervous to have kids but like like i don't know, know how we'll, we'll deal with like, that i'm mad when they drink you know just like i know it's like i don't even know it'll <laughs> uh, years. Uh, i don't know we'll figure it out when we get there <laughs> yeah hopefully not anytime soon because i'm not trying to have a kid but yeah kind of like the environmental part of it like you're genetically predisposed to develop this addiction if it is in your genes and if it's passed down along your family so like the environmental aspect it really made sense why my drinking kind of took off when it did and I think for you too like being in an environment just being in college um out of control because it was a an environment where it was constantly available and everybody used it and really just like in general I feel like we live in a society that's like alcohol is everywhere and it's very like glamorized yeah, like you like the rich people like uh, on their private jets with like champagne or like a bottle of bubbly they make it look whatever. So, cool. so according to modern medicine, addiction is a brain disorder. You don't have control over it, but you do have the power to seek treatment, get help, and recover. Really quick, and we've kind of already gone over this, but labels as in identifying as an alcoholic or drinking problem whatever you want to call it they can be helpful for some people like for me identifying as an alcoholic helps me but I understand that it can be harmful to others Emily did you how are you with the whole like identifying as an alcoholic it's like basic psychology that like identifying if something like gives you like a group to belong to like once you're an alcoholic you have like all of these support groups that open up and stuff but also I think it's kind of harmful because of our culture it's just like so taboo like people are like oh she's weird then like you know she's no fun yeah she's lame totally stuff like that yeah which is so not true because like you're not lame (laughs) at all you're one of the coolest people I know and I've met like the best people in AA like I think that's one thing, like, I didn't want to identify as an alcoholic or be labeled as that because I thought I would be, like, lesser than, but really, (laughs) and I remember telling Renee, our therapist, (laughs) I was like, well, I don't want to say I'm an alcoholic, you know, it just makes me feel like it's who I am, and she was like, well, it is a big part of who (laughs) you are, I'm like, well, that sounds horrible, (laughs) but really, like, yes, that sounded bad then, and, like, I understand why people have that mindset of like oh I don't want to identify as that um because it can be kind of degrading but now it's just easier for me to be like I identify as this because it is part of me and I recovery has shaped me into who I am like I think a thing in meetings they also say is like I'm a grateful alcoholic so like yeah they haven't drank in a while um and it like doesn't define like who they are but it does in a sense because they're grateful to have recovered. So what's next if you are 
contemplating your relationship with alcohol, if you kind of feel like you have a problem, you don't really know where to go from here, you don't really know who to talk to, I think that it's really easy to come up with reasons to not get help or to not stop drinking. There's always going to be reasons. I mean, I was like, oh, I just don't want to do it. Like, now's not the right time, but really there's never a right time there never is going to be a convenient time to stop drinking and it can be really scary um what were some of the things that you I were think scared just the thought of, of like stop never drinking. drinking again is like enough to be like <laughs> i'm gonna put this off for another month or so because it's like scary it's like that's like your crutch and to just you're going to give that up is yeah honestly frightening i would even come up with like stupid reasons like you know i have a test i'll stop like after the test this week and you know just celebrate a little bit and then like get my head on straight for monday and it's just like stupid stuff like that and it just becomes like the monday after that and the monday after that it's just like there's so many excuses that i came up with that just prolonged like my suffering and like my miserable state of mind that just hurt me in the end yeah exactly it's like you you can sit there and think of reasons all day but really what you're doing is ultimately just like selling yourself short like and and it's not easy obviously to just like commit to getting sober and like everybody has their own process of doing that there's not one right way but at the end of the day like there's never going to be a right time and there's always going to be a bunch of reasons why Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like a good time but honestly all of those reasons I came up with like are so irrelevant to me now that I'm sober you know they were not like in the moment they seemed rational but like they're just not um and also there are a ton of recovery options like we do AA and like personally I really like it because it works like I'm sober it got me sober and like for a while I was very anti like AA and I was kind of like well I don't want to do that because like I don't want to go to meetings and be like I'm an alcoholic or whatever but at the end of the day like I needed to get sober I couldn't do it alone and like it was really helpful to find a program like AA but there are other recovery options what's smart recovery it's like if you're not like so into like the higher power thing at first a smart recovery takes like a different Mm -hmm. approach to it just kind of like an introspective like evidence approach and like I've tried that before but honestly I think I had more support in AA like even though I wasn't like super into the higher power thing Mm -hmm. it's just like AA is such a big organization and it's literally everywhere like especially now you can go to a meeting online like 24 7 all across the world like it's just everywhere and it's so available and convenient and people just care there. Like, they'll reach out and give you their numbers and, like, call you, like, even if it's your first time. Like, it's just so welcoming. And I think that was a big thing for me, like, coming in. Yeah, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. I think that it's, like, very, very supportive. Everybody, like, literally nobody is judging you because they've all been through it. And, like, I remember the first couple of meetings, like, when I was new, everyone was just very kind and welcoming and like they just want to help and like I realized looking (laughs) back like I was so judgmental and I like really regret it (laughs) because I was like I'm not doing that like I'm not gonna sit there right and you know like hang out with these whack jobs but like but really like they're really nice people and they're just like us they just want to help and everyone wants to help each other so it's definitely a good 
place to start, I would say. <laughs> so, FOMO. <laughs> Fear of missing out. Oh, kind of like we, we talked about earlier, I feel like the fear of missing out is a big reason why I didn't want to get sober because it held me back and I didn't want to miss out on the fun, which really meant for me, I didn't want to miss out on any drinking opportunity. What kind of things did you think you would be missing out on if you stopped What else I would do? Like, you know, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, start knitting? Like, (laughs) I had no idea. Like, I didn't have any hobbies. My only hobby was drinking and, like, getting fucked up all the time. But I was like, I'm going to be the lamest person ever if I quit drinking. Which, obviously, wasn't the case. Like, I have a lot of fun now. Exactly. I was like, what am I supposed to do for fun? Because I think I associated, like, drinking, like, with fun. But really, like, looking back, I'm like, that wasn't fun. That was just, like, chaos. (laughs) Looking Um, back. I thought it was fun, but I'm just like, that was embarrassing. Like, it was expensive. Like, it's just a good time. Yeah, it was expensive. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I fucking blew through money. Um, Yeah, it's expensive as fuck. So you're going to be saving a lot of money if you decide to cut back, even if you don't have a problem. But, yeah, so I thought I was going to miss out on, like, fun times with friends and, like, also going to, like, breweries, bars, and clubs. And, like, a big part of, like, going out for me that I was, like, uh, I don't want to stop drinking because, like, I'm afraid, whatever, was dressing up. Like, I always got really cute and, like, did my makeup and hair and, like, put on a cute outfit to go out. And, like, I really only thought I could do that if I was going out to drink. Fear of missing out... I have some friends who, like, have mentioned to me, like, they don't have a problem, but, like, they have wanted to just, like, cut back and, like, you know, spend their time more wisely and, like, spend less money, whatever. Kind of, like, the reasons people that don't have problems would like to take a break from alcohol for those reasons. And basically, I've heard them say, like, well, I just don't want to miss out or, like, I want to be doing, like, what my friends are doing, and really, I just don't think you're missing out on much, you know? Like, you're missing out on people getting drunk, but they're not even going to really remember a whole lot of it. from my experience, like, it's just, like, you're both just friends to go get fucked up. Yeah, 100%. Like, that's another thing, and I think I'll talk about it, like, later in this series, but friendships and just, like, you kind of realize who your real friends are and the people that were your party friends slowly Not a- trickle away which isn't bad like it's part of like it just even happens. just like not drinking just like being mature like you have to leave that group eventually <laughs> like yeah exactly it's like okay do i want to like day in this like i don't know do i want to like waste my potential or do i want to like actually be around people who are like motivating and like empowering and have their shit more together because i don't have my shit together but like it's at a more stable level than it was to wrap things up I'm going to share three ways my life has changed for the better since cutting alcohol out. And so is Emily. I would say the first way my life has changed for the better since getting sober is I have so much more time to, like, fill that I used to spend either being drunk, drinking, or I was hungover. Another is that, like, my friendships (laughs) have just grown so much 
with like you and then a lot of my other really close friends they are just a lot more meaningful and I'm more present in them and my relationships also like with family so that's been very eye-opening and just like a really good feeling to know you're connected to people at a deeper level and then third I definitely just feel like I am able to see my potential now and like actually act on it and like do things and take risks and not live like kind of a life inside of a box. Like now I'm allowing myself to grow. What are yours? I was just so gross and like had no self-esteem before that I just could not have a relationship. Like nothing was meaningful and everything just sucked honestly so it's like having a boyfriend like cool and like fun and I just never could have had that if I was drinking I think also hmm, just like being more present like being able to watch Netflix and like actually remember what I'm watching like it's fun I enjoy it like going (laughs) to the gym working out a lot like getting like my physical health back and my mental health and just like starting to feel good about myself again and I think third just like not waking up every day with that anxiety and just like my heart immediately racing and just starting the day off like already shitty like it's just so nice now to have like every day and just like be like what am I gonna do today yeah exactly also to go off of that a lot of people I don't know I think it's a big misconception (laughs) that like every day is so great But, like, no. And, like, people who are getting sober, like, it might be discouraging in the beginning because you're like, shit, I'm not feeling, like, happy. And it's like, well, that's because the toxic substance is out of your body. Like, you're learning how to readjust. And it's going to take some time. But, like, don't give up. And I promise you it will pay off. Thanks so much, Emily, for coming on and sharing. And thank you to whoever is listening or whoever has listened. I really appreciate all the kind words and messages I've gotten. And it's really just been awesome. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. To keep up with what's happening on my podcast, follow Sober Like a Boss on Instagram where I'll keep you updated with sober content and inspiration.